Welcome to the Parents at Work podcast, a podcast for the modern parent working in the modern world. Join us as we interview leading experts in their fields to unveil the secrets working parents need to succeed at work. Welcome to Parents at Work, a podcast for people who want to succeed and thrive at work while they have kids. This podcast is sponsored by the Spiegel Law Firm, a firm that empowers people who have been wrongfully fired or afraid that they might be. Joining me today is my co-host, Lori Mihalik-Levin, an attorney and founder of the online platform Mindful Return. Lori, I'll turn it over to you to tell us more about Mindful Return and to introduce our guest today. Great, Tom. It's wonderful to be here with all of you. Indeed, I created a program called Mindful Return that helps employees transition back to work after parental leave. And there are a whole number of employers that offer it as a parental leave benefit. Today, we are here with two moms in the accounting world to talk to you about what it's like to be a working parent who is in accounting. And today we have Jennifer Todling, who's a partner in the National Audit Practice at Ernst & Young, based in their Tyson's Virginia office. Jennifer spent three years as an accounting fellow at the Securities and Exchange Commission, focused on audit regulatory matters before going over to ENY. And Jennifer is a new mom with an 11-month-old daughter named Sophia. She's been married for three years. Also joining us today, we have Aneka Perez, who's a managing director, also at Ernst & Young, whose life journey led her to find her purpose in conscious parenting. Aneka is mom to a seven-year-old boy named Kian, whom she co-parents with his dad, Emil. Welcome, Jennifer, and welcome, Aneka. We're happy to have you here today. Thanks, Lori. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you today. So Jennifer, I want to start with you and just ask very briefly, can you tell us about your working parent story? Yeah, no, I'm happy to. And, you know, it's interesting. I started my career 16 years ago in Southern California. And in my early 20s, I wasn't really focused on, you know, when I was looking for that first career, what might be the best fit as a working parent, but sort of fast forward, you know, 16 years from now, from then and about five years ago, when I settled in the DC area, found my husband, you know, the, the avenue was a lot different. And so at that time, I was actually working at the SEC. I did start my career at Ernst & Young um, straight out of college, and I spent 13 years there before transitioning to the SEC for a fellowship. And at that time, you know, I was in my mid-30s and really wanting to start a family. And it became more important to think about, you know, what types of careers or organizations would help support that for me. And so my husband and I started trying, you know, pretty early after we got married. And like I said, I was at the SEC and there was a lot of good work-life balance in a government agency, but also not a lot of parental leave. And so when my fellowship ended, I did decide to return back to Ernst & Young based in the Tyson's practice. And part of that was just because I knew, you know, they had really good parental leave benefits. And there was a lot of programs in place to help support working parents. And so I actually became pregnant with my daughter six months after I made partner. So my first year as a partner was quite a whirlwind. But I've been a partner now for two years and sort of wrapping up my first year as a working parent. And so definitely have learned a lot over the last year. Wonderful, Jennifer. I hear in your story that you are both a boomerang to ENY, but also that their own policies around parental leave was one of the reasons why you did go back. And so I just want employers to hear that, that it is having good parental leave policies and showing that you have a supportive community of working parents is, in fact, 
a draw when you're talking about recruiting. Is that a fair assessment, Jennifer? Absolutely. And I remember having conversations really kind of wrestling with, you know, I really liked some of the, you know, just it was a little bit less pressure in the government culture. You know, public accounting is really fast paced and it's very dynamic. But I really thought about, you know, no parental leave. How am I actually going to make that happen? And so that 100% was part of the decision that encouraged me to sort of go back when I did. Great. Thanks for sharing your story. Anika, let's turn to you. Can you tell us a little bit about your own working parent story? Sure. So I have been working at EY for 16 years now, and I became a parent seven years ago. At that time, I was transitioning to a new group, which luckily, you know, from everybody in the group, including the leader of that group, was so in tune with the importance of allowing parents, especially when they return, to kind of figure things out. But I would say, you know, on a very personal level, returning back to work after I had my son, Kian, was very difficult and I was very lost. And even though EY had, you know, great programs, I did take two months off. You know, part of it was also me trying to do, 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 and almost not taking advantage of, you know, all the benefits. You know, one, I guess, choice I made was, well, I could stay for more, for longer, but I should go back, you know, within two months. So it's really, I was so attached to all the shoulds and I think that happens so often to parents that I was, even when I was allowed to probably take longer, in my mind, I just didn't allow myself to do so. So for me, that it's, you know, a very personal thing and, and it's part of my journey that I sincerely want to make sure other parents kind of allow themselves to enjoy that phase, you know, when given the opportunity. So for me, it was a little bit more about my inner blocks that I was not allowing myself to just fully enjoy what I, you know, what the company at the time was offering. Mm, That's such a great point that no matter what the policy is, the mindset of the person taking advantage of the policy or using the policy really matters. And I hear you, I totally, uh, you know, heard my own self and your words there in terms of the pressure that we put on ourselves, and being so attached to the should. So thank you for spreading the good word that it doesn't have to be so hard, and you can let go a little bit in those early days. Yeah, let's stick with you for a minute, Anika. So we've heard a little bit about, you know, the fast paced nature of public accounting. Can you describe a little bit about what it's like to be a mom in the accounting industry these days? (laughs) I would be lying to say, hey, it's so, you know, easy breezy. I would say it's very difficult. You have to make sure you're in tune day to day, moment to moment to what's important because there's always so many priorities and you need to make sure you understand for you, right, how those priorities line up. So for me, my day, again, you know, it's sometimes unpredictable. If my client is going through a transaction, I may have planned something that I need to think of plan B because the client might have immediate requests, right, that were not part of what I thought my day would be like. So that's a challenge. And that's something that I try to focus on on a moment to moment. It's again, you know, that part that unpredictability when you're serving clients, you know, it's very, it's there. So you have to be aware of that. I think having a good support system for those unpredictable moments, it's very important. Personally, for me, currently co-parenting with Emil, like you mentioned in the introduction, so it's very important for him and I to communicate 
and to kind of have each other's back because sometimes he needs to travel and I need to take on more of the responsibilities for days that he may have had already that we had planned he would have key in or vice versa. Sometimes I have to travel and then communicating and having a good support system is very important. So I would say communication with your support system because yes, it's very dynamic and there's a lot of unpredictable moments that you have to kind of shift in the moment. Mm. Yeah. And parenthood is the ultimate training ground for the unexpected, I think. (laughs) Even with our children, things change moment to moment. Thank you for that. Yeah. I would say, you know, one thing that you mentioned, yes, parenting. I think it's also being very transparent, you know, even with your clients, you know, whether you're in a flexible work arrangement. Currently, I'm full time, but I know that also that communication with your clients also, you know, letting them know, hey, I'm going to take summer Friday. So just so you know, this is going to be my schedule and kind of letting people know around you what's important because I think people are more respectful. If you don't say anything, then people will not know. So I think it's truly communication with all the stakeholders, you know, within your family, your clients. That's very important. That's such a great point. Cal Newport in his book, Deep Work, articulates the idea that if you communicate unavailability to others and tell them the defined period that you'll be away and when you'll be back, then they're accepting of that unavailability. It's when they don't know that everyone gets worked up. So yeah, that's a great point about the communication. Jennifer, I want to turn over to you. How would you describe what it's like to be a mom in the accounting industry these days? Yeah, just echoing some of the things that Anika shared. You know, I think dynamic is a word that definitely comes to mind. You know, there's a lot of change going on in our industry right now with just data and technology and how we're looking at, you know, the workforce of the future. And so, the pace of change is is very high. So I think I've sort of, my mantra is agility has kind of become my superpower because I think just having, being agile and being able to sort of float from task to task or request, you know, manage them as they come is really important. And as Anika noted, you know, there's a lot as a working parent that you're trying to balance and prioritize. And so I've learned that, you know, I really do have to take it day by day, minute by minute, and really focus on being present in whatever that activity is that I need to have attention to in that moment. But agility is something I've really been using a lot more as a working parent, you know, Anika and I are in different roles within EY. And so in my role, it's a little bit more predictable. My clients are the audit practice. And so I have a little bit more predictability, but there's still a lot that comes at me. And so I think one of the benefits that I've experienced, and I definitely appreciated kind of having seen accounting from different angles is, you know, there's a lot of flexibility in the way we work. So a lot of the work can be done from anywhere. It can be done anytime. And so that does It can create long days, but it does allow for the ability to sort of flex to, you know, needs as they come in. You know, so I try, you know, I take, I wake up in the first couple hours. I'm just, you know, working with getting my daughter up, breakfast, you know, getting ready for school. And then I try, you know, when I'm in my sort of work hours to really focus on being efficient and address the needs that need to get done. But then when I sort of shut off, you know, I have a couple hours that I'm really unavailable and I really try and be present with my daughter. And then I'll assess after she's in bed, you know, kind of this concept of the split shift if needed, do I need to do some more work to kind of get caught up? And I do try and limit that. You know, I have used a little bit of a reduced schedule just to balance that for myself this first year and give myself a buffer. 
but there is that ability, I think, in this profession. And I think that's what does draw a lot of people is you do have, you know, support to be able to work differently. It does, you still have a lot of work to do, you know, so it's just sort of managing that can be sometimes a little bit challenging. Thank you. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities to the um, law firm world and the private sector legal profession and what you're describing. I can relate to a lot of that. I think your comments about flexibility and reduced hours are a great segue into Tom's next question. Back to you, Tom. Great. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, I think it's, I like the word agility. I'd adopt that too, because as Lori mentioned, you know, in the private practice of law, that is certainly something that an unpredictable schedule is something we have to deal with. My wife is also an attorney on reduced schedule, but that doesn't mean that clients are necessarily on a reduced schedule. And so, you know, unpredictability is one way to refer to it, but agility is maybe the more glass half full way to think about it. And I like that. Lori, actually, I have a question for you before I turn to uh, Jennifer and Aneka. You know, one of the unique things about mindful return is, you know, parents can communicate with each other through your platform about, you know, their return to work, you know, matters. I'm wondering, you know, looking, you're turning to Aneka's point about the shoulds that we have in our own head that aren't even placed on us by our, often by our employer or our clients. You know, I should go back to work. I should do this. When that's an internal dialogue, do you see that playing out on your platform and perhaps, you know, parents kind of talking each other down off some of those? I'm just curious if you see that. Absolutely. Yes. No, that's a really wonderful point. The shoulds are remarkably active. And sometimes when you look at them, you step out and look at them from the perspective of someone who's not in the first couple of months of parenthood, they sound almost wild. You know, I've had people say, well, you know, I should do this, I should do that. And then because I'm doing all those things, it's selfish for me to even pause to find time to like take a shower. And when I have someone saying that taking a shower is precluded by all the shoulds, then I start to wonder. I have found in the Mindful Return community, you know, it's an online course that happens every other month. And so there's a new cohort of moms who are all in the same stage at the same time. And by articulating these and allowing the community to weigh in on them, I think the moms do definitely get talked down from the shoulds. There's a lesson in the course specifically on negotiating flexibility with your employer. And I know what comes up there, for example, is moms who think that they can't ask for anything and the community stepping in and saying, well, why don't you try? And why don't you think about what you might ask for? I had one mom in the course who was pretty terrified to ask her employer, for example, even just to shift her schedule from eight to four instead of nine to five. And when she sat down to talk to her employer, the employer said to her, oh my gosh, I thought you were coming in here to say that you were leaving. You can definitely do that. Is there anything else you want in terms of flexibility to help you through this? So I think sometimes we limit ourselves by what we imagine is or isn't possible when really we can sit and brainstorm all possibilities and encourage one another to expand the list of things that are possible and then to work toward those. Yeah, I think it really helps to have that community aspect because, I mean, particularly people who are in professions like we are in, like our communities, whether they intend to be or not, we've been brought up professionally in communities that load us up with all kinds of shoulds, <laughs> you know, and we within the profession reinforce those shoulds, even though a lot of times they're not there. So I think that's a great thing about the platform. And just, you know, that was not a plug. There's a great platform. That was really not a planned question. I think it just was an important point that to follow up on, particularly when raised by Aneka. All right, Aneka, I want to turn back to you and ask you as you are returning to work, as a new parent, uh, were there any supports that you found particularly helpful? So EY does have a lot of 
different groups that you can lean on. We have a, you know, the mother network. And at the time when I returned, I remember like the first year just again being so caught up in trying to do everything that I just was not even lifting my head to kind of look around what support systems do I have available. And I remember at that time when I returned, I was serving clients and also doing a rotation in our professional practice office. And that felt like a lot because I was wearing two different hats in the firm. And I remember wanting to ask to just give client service a break, but I was afraid, afraid of what, you know, would that show up as not being able to handle it all? And I remember when I finally had the courage to speak to that, to at the time, my boss and the leader of that group. And I said, well, you know, I think I want to just focus. And I was very politically correct. I want to focus more on this type of work. And I would love to just wear the hat of serving the audit teams and, you know, take a break from the client. And he just openly said, and you're a new mom and a lot of things have changed in your life and you need that time. I understand. And it was like he saw what I was so desperately wanting to say, like, I need help. This feels like a lot. There's a lot of changes and I need help. So for him to be able to see that, you know, just demonstrated what a great leader he was. And he's not retired from the firm, but forever, you know, we'll hold that in my heart because he just called it out like it was. You're a new mom and a lot of things are changing and you need that time. I totally get it. I support it. So that was very, just gave me a lifeline, to be honest, at that time where so much was happening. And then after that rotation ended, when Kian was probably like about a year old, maybe, I went back to client serving 100%. So the rotation ended, I went back. And I remember again, you know, going through this process of like, oh my God, this feels like so much. How am I going to cope with everything? And I remember reaching out to the mother's network at the time, which was a beautiful thing. And they were very supportive. What I realized now, reflecting back, that while that was a good network, it still felt for me inside of myself, there was so much chaos going on, trying to really find myself within all the changes and all the pressure and, you know, that were being asked of me or that I was also putting on myself. That just felt like another thing I had to put on my calendar. And I remember making a decision of, I will not join next week. Like I have to do all this work. But again, that just shows you where I was in my process. I think I needed a lifeline. I needed a life jacket. Like I was just drowning. So reflecting back, I think, you know, again, such great programs, but in my space, in my inner state, I just needed to sort things out and I needed help beyond just catching up with the, you know, like-minded individuals. I just needed more. So that's a good reflection that as I thought of, you know, before joining that at that time, that was a very fast changing time for me. Yeah. Yeah. We've heard that a lot on the podcast. It's a, you know, it's a common theme that what a big difference it makes to have somebody in management or somebody who you report to who gets it. You know, policies are obviously important, but, you know, if you to have somebody that really understands the reason behind the policies and the pressures of having, you know, a child and particularly a new baby at home, it really, it makes a lot of difference. Anika, let me turn to flip it a little bit and ask you, were there supports that you did not have as a new parent that looking back, you wish you would have had and it could help people coming up behind you? Yeah, I think what I have found out 
And again, where my journey took me and this I kind of took upon myself, you know, fast forward years later, my son is three. I separated with my son's dad. My world then, again, another big change. Wow, what is this here to teach me? And I had to really go back and take an inventory of, you know, my life as it was in that moment and say, this needs to change. And it needs to change beyond just, you know, taking a class here or this needs to change at a cellular level. And what I found out, this is when I engaged on an inner journey to really find out who am I? What do I want out of my life? How do I want my life to look like? What things do I not want in my life? And I just went into this inner journey and, you know, through classes that I took outside specifically with you know, a great mentor to me, Dr. Shafali Sabari. Uh, she's a clinical psychologist and a wisdom teacher. I took every class she offered online. So for the last three years, I've been taking conscious living, conscious parenting, conscious everything. And having that support, just really kind of having the tools to dive in within myself, finding the answers within myself, it's truly what I have found to be such a helpful platform because I think everyone and everyone who's listening who can identify with some of the things that I'm saying, like the answers are within you. Nothing on the outside, right, will make the shift as you looking within yourself. And then from there, from within, you know, matching to what you want to see on the outside. But you need to be the change. You need to make the change. And to me, I think that's the platform that at the time I just didn't, first of all, I just didn't even know I needed it. So it took life, you know, to really kind of take the rug off of my feet and kind of everything fell apart. And then I had to just put the pieces together. That's when I found that like, okay, you need to take a really good look at yourself and find out who you truly are, what you truly want out of life. And that's the platform that to me, you know, self-discovery, inner landscape, just reflecting. And that's where mindfulness came into my life. And I learned to meditate through those classes and learn a practice that has really shifted my life and the way that I approach my relationships, my work, my relationship with my son and everything around me. You know, I think that's a great way to look at it, you know, for challenges, any challenges, particularly ones that come up with parenting, you know, rather than putting it in a frame of, you know, am I succeeding or am I failing at this, whatever the challenge may be, you know, thinking about, as you said, what is this here to teach me? You know, this is not about, you know, whether I am a, the, the measure of me as a human being, it is, you know, what opportunity does this provide? And I'm guessing, you tell me if this is correct, that, you know, having your you know, the flexibility uh, work, to use Jennifer's words, the agility probably allowed you to be able to take those classes. Would that be a fair? Yeah, the classes were online. They were pre-recorded. So even if I couldn't attend live, you know, we would meet on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. And this was a group of about 700 individuals looking to find themselves, you know, and we would meet on Tuesdays. And then on Thursdays, we will meditate together. And this went on, you know, for two years, every Thursday, getting online with people all over the world, meditating together at 9 p.m., you know, cultivated the practice for me. And yeah, absolutely. Having the ability to and the flexibility, because, yes, my job sometimes the beautiful thing is that I could take off at 3 p.m. if I have a doctor's appointment or I got to take my son to or pick him up from school early. But then obviously 
I have to make sure the work gets done and I have the flexibility to be able to make that schedule. And that might mean, you know, Friday night, I'm going to catch up on the work that was not done. So yeah, that flexibility definitely helped and allowed me to take those classes. Yeah. Do you think it would be helpful for new parents, you know, coming up in your workplace for work for your employer to offer those kinds of courses or a stipend or, and how can the workplace support that kind of self-discovery? Absolutely. I think it's so important. I just see my life before and now, and just, again, the relationship that I have with myself getting to know myself, you know, both my light and my shadow, and then befriending that. And we all have it. And sometimes, you know, our false self is driving our lives and we don't even realize it, but that's how we've lived for so many years. I know personally for me, you know, there was what I think would appear as a very successful person, right? When I had my child, I had my home, I had my career, but inside, you know, how I was feeling, right? I didn't even know until things started to fall apart and I had to really look within, which is a blessing. You know, now I'm so grateful for all the experiences, which at the time were so painful, but they allowed me to see the places that I had forgotten about myself and befriending those places within me. So I think having those tools at organizations, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, to me, I became so passionate about that because it really, really changed my life. It shifted tremendously. And what I have to offer in all of my relationships, my employer, my son, at my family, my friends, you know, it's, and I want that for everybody. So I went on, you know, on a personal journey and kind of said, everybody needs to know this. Like I've changed. I want everyone to know about this. So I went and became a conscious parenting coach as well. And it's one of the things that I'm, you know, actively trying to bring to EY because I think it's so important. So I'm so grateful. Like we have at EY Mindfulness Network, which again, I think, you know, having something like that specifically for parents, it'll be a beautiful thing and a life-changing thing. That's a really great insight, Anika. And uh, I know that Lori has written quite a bit about meditation and maybe can pick up that thread a little bit when she picks back up. So I do think it is so important. All right, Jennifer, I will turn to you and ask you the same questions. Were there things in your workplace that you found particularly helpful when you were coming back as a new parent? Yeah, and I just want to acknowledge, you know, what Anika is sharing. And I think there's just so much goodness in that. I think sometimes we forget, you know, you have this infrastructure, you have these tangible policies, but this is really an emotional transformation when you become a parent. And there's so much you know, emotionally that you're just dealing with, especially as a mom from just postpartum and hormones. And if you're breastfeeding, you know, just there's so much involved in that, that I think sometimes we lose sight of that. And I think just sort of the story Anika shared at the beginning, and fortunately, you know, she's not only a colleague, but a dear friend and that leader she's referring to, I mean, just the sense of a small personal connection and acknowledgement of meeting someone where they're at like goes such a long way. And so I think that definitely, you know, resonates with me and having just that acknowledgement that this is a big shift in your life. You know, as I sort of alluded to before, you know, EY does have some great policies that I did take advantage of. So they have, they offer 
for men and women, four months of paid parental leave. And I ended up actually taking six months off. And that was really necessary for my own just emotional journey and preparation to be ready to come back to work. And like I said, I did take advantage of some of the official flexible work arrangements. You know, we do have a pretty hefty overtime commitments similar to the legal profession. And so I tried to just reduce it so that I was working maybe more of a typical full-time schedule without all of the overtime and also working from home a couple days a week. And that allowed me to get those longer days in without battling the DC traffic. So one of the very helpful tools that EY does offer with the executive coaching is also for new parents, both men and women, they offer coaching services to help not only with just preparing for parenthood, but also navigating the transition back to work. And I found that really instrumental in being successful in preparing myself just personally for that transition. And like Anika, you know, it might have looked pretty put together on the outside, but I was a hot mess, honestly, when I was trying to figure out, you know, just returning to work, how am I going to actually put my child in daycare? How am I going to be able to keep pumping? I was an exclusive pumper. And so, you know, every two hours, you know, it's a very, very time consuming commitment. And just emotionally, to be perfectly honest, I struggled with postpartum anxiety and a little bit of depression. And I think a lot of that was sort of to Anika's point earlier on these mental shoulds, right? I should be able to do this. I should be able to do that. And, you know, just to give you an example, you know, I had always sort of planned to take five to six months off, but right when my four months of paid leave ended, you know, the government shutdown happened. And my husband is also a government employee and I was back at EY at the time, but logically in my brain, I thought, well, hey, he's home now, you know, maybe I should start working because then I don't have to use all my vacation if he's, you know, home to take care of of the child. And, you know, we have this shutdown. It's a blessing in disguise, you know, seems logical from maybe a non-parent perspective. But what I didn't realize at the time is that I wasn't emotionally ready to come back to work. I was not there. And so I committed, you know, I would talk to my bosses. I said, hey, you know, I can start working maybe, you know, part-time from home just to start getting some work done. And pretty quickly, they had a bunch of projects, you know, that they wanted me to help with. And I started feeling really overwhelmed because I didn't really have, you know, extra childcare and I didn't know how that was going to work. And I really wasn't ready emotionally to come back. And so the coach really helped me through that of navigating, you know, I just felt like I couldn't even say I can't do it anymore because I had already committed and I felt like I would be you know, letting everybody down by saying, hey, wait a minute, maybe I can't do as much as I had committed to. And she really just helped me realize and put it in perspective that I needed more time and I actually needed more help and support, you know, even just from, you know, talking to my doctor and looking at vitamins and making sure I was taking care of myself with exercise and all of that stuff. That's just really hard as a new mom. And so that was really instrumental to me just emotionally to help support me on that journey. And she helped. We practiced, you know, how I was going to talk to my boss about saying, hey, I'm not really coming back for two more months and I'm extending my leave. And here's what that's going to look like. And that conversation went really well with my boss. I mean, he didn't care. You know, he just, to your point earlier, just wanted to have that communication of what the plan was. But in my head, it was just like, you know, the earth is, the sky is falling. And so I think that emotional piece is really important. And so Definitely, you know, I did end up working from home and doing a little bit of work those two months and then returned full time and after six months. And 
felt a lot better emotionally to be able to do that. But I think there is just that acknowledgement of there's a lot of anxiety coming back and wondering whether you can do it. And so I think when people can recognize the emotional journey you're on, it definitely helps sort of relieve that pressure. What a fantastic benefit. You know, I've heard of companies that provide those kinds of benefits, but you're the first person I've ever heard talk about. And, you know, I hope that the employers that are listening, I mean, think about what a value that is. Jennifer, were these coaches just available to anyone or was it specific to new parents? How did it work as a benefit? Yeah. And, you know, this is something that, you know, EY has a separate as part of their kind of career and wellness programs. They have internal coaches that are certified, you know, executive coaches that help in different areas. So one program that they've created is the transition career and transition group. And so all new partners get a career coach or an executive coach for a year or longer if needed. And that's supposed to sort of help manage the transition because it is a really big emotional journey. Also, when you become an executive of a large organization and navigating, you know, that piece of it. And then they, I think they realized a few years ago that especially in some of our younger professionals, so at the senior or the manager level, you know, a lot of times I hear conversations of, I don't know if I can be a working parent. And so I might find something else before I'm even pregnant. You know, like people just put in their head that they're not sure that this can work. And so I think part of this was just to help with retention too, of how do you help support people getting out of their head and really tangibly working through real life And so it's available to all. I don't even know if it's specific to new. I think it's just parents. So if you're having your second baby, I think you can still use the service and it's for men and women. And it's usually, I mean, there's not necessarily a prescribed time and you can do the cadence that works for you. I do monthly and now I'm on my sort of second year with the program. And that's something, you know, as Anika said, you know, I am passionate about coaching. I actually went through a program myself to be trained as a coach because I do think this our organizations, like there's such a benefit when you can help people with just their emotional needs. And that might sound a little soft, but I think it makes that investment is definitely worth it in having employees that want to stay with the organization. Yeah, I would think that's just really an invaluable sort of benefit. So, you know, hats off to companies that have the foresight to provide that. So that's fantastic. Well, let me flip it and ask you the same question I asked Anika. What supports did you not have that you wished you did have and that could help new parents coming up behind you? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I would have liked to have six months leave paid. You know, that's, and I recognize this is first world problems, but that was probably, you know, better for me. I think having the network and the group of other moms and dads to sort of navigate with is really helpful. And I had some of that. There were a couple other new moms in my office, but not really at the partner level. And so I think that I found my way sort of through my own searches and people reaching out to me, you know, in different groups and trying to mentor me and provide that support. But I think having more of that would be and would have been even more helpful, just as Anika said, you know, just acknowledging the things that you're maybe afraid to say. And I just that personal confirmation that you're doing a good job. So I can't, you know, underestimate how important sort of finding your tribe is. And I will just say just, you know, I remember Anika even was one of those people that helped support me when I first found out I was pregnant and the emotional, not just, you know, when's the baby shower and what's the name and, you know, when are you due, but saying, you know, you are, you've been selected to 
raise this child and help her find her dreams. And it was sort of this profound, like, wow, like that's profound. That's impactful. This is not just, you know, another life transition. And so I think just finding those people that can help commiserate with you and can laugh with you and can support you in that, I think makes a big difference. And the other thing I will just share, I think for working moms that are nursing or breastfeeding or pumping, you know, EY did have lactation support and they provided, you know, a free pump, free supplies, free kit when you're traveling. There's privacy rooms. And I used some of that, but I think having that lactation support is important, especially if breastfeeding or nursing is important to you, because that is a real big anxiety as a working mom just going back to work. And I remember one of my favorite memories is in the first kind of month back was I had a a work trip to New York City, you know, three weeks after I started back. And I was really nervous about how am I going to get my milk home to my daughter because I didn't have a backup supply. And we literally were like day to day. And how am I going to get it delivered by 8 a.m. so my husband can take her to school? And, you know, I was really thankful that there was, you know, a service that EY paid for that I was able to sort of run to the FedEx before it closed and and ship my milk home. But on that day, there were two other moms in different groups that were new moms. And one of them had reached out to the three of us and said, hey, you know, I know we're all in this all day conference. I know we're all pumping. There's one privacy room. Can we coordinate our pumping schedule so we can, you know, accommodate each other? And It was such like this camaraderie of we kind of tapped each other on the shoulder, like, okay, I'm done. It's your turn. That was so cool. And it just made me feel like I was part of this tribe. You know, we were supporting each other. We got it. It wasn't this awkward, like, oh, I can't, you know, I have to use that break for something else. Like it just, it was this unspoken, you know, just assurance of what we needed. And I think having more of that would have made it even easier to sort of transition. But that moment really resonated with me because I felt like, we were like a sisterhood and we were really sort of helping each other out. Well, speaking of tribes is a perfect segue to pass it back to you, Lori. Wonderful. No, thank you so much for sharing all of these really profound stories and also for sharing the struggles that you had and the identity issues there. There's so much by way of identity that's caught up with becoming a new working parent. And I think you've illustrated those points beautifully to your story about feeling afraid to extend your leave longer and having those types of conversations. I was reminded of a boss who I had before I had children who once told me, you know, upon announcing to her that I wanted to take a longer vacation, she said to me, Lori, you will remember that you took the extra time out of the office. No one else around here will remember at all. And so I think it's a a really helpful perspective to advocate for the things that matter to you, because really in the long run, they're not going to affect the rest of your workplace. Um, I also wanted to say that I'm excited about all these new benefits that are being offered. I hadn't heard of the company providing free pumps and free supplies before. That's really cool. I know my own law firm just recently started offering milk stork as a benefit to be able to ship milk home, you know, for anyone who works for the firm who is traveling. And on the mindfulness point, I know our firm is about to roll out a benefit around allowing all individuals access to Headspace, an app that helps you to do daily meditation, etc. So I'm happy to see employers moving toward a space of building a healthier workforce, quite frankly. So to the next question, Aneka, what changes do you think are happening more broadly in the accounting industry 
that also happen to be having an effect on working parents? As I think of, you know, the topics that we are focused on in my firm and, you know, technology changing and the focus on doing things faster and robots and artificial intelligence, like so much is changing, like our whole industry is changing. The way that we serve our clients is changing. The way that we do our day-to-day work, it's going to change. It's becoming more digital. So again, I think, you know, technology is great. It's allowing us to have this podcast right now. But I also think, you know, and, and linking it back to parents, right, and how to stay connected, that human connection is so important. So, you know, at the same time where I embrace the changes and flow with those changes, which I think is going to be great. It's going to make us more efficient, but I'm also very grounded in the human connection, right? You still need to have that connectivity, that personal connection, either with your clients, which takes me back to, you know, parent-child relationship and how it's so important that you stay connected, that you still, you know, show up for them, that they know that you recognize them, that you see them, that you're there for them, that you're so happy to see them. You know, I make sure like when I come home, one thing I do at the door, I literally just set an intention before coming into my home, before I put in the key. And it's kind of leaving behind whatever the day brought at work, whether it was good, bad, indifferent, just leaving that behind and truly showing up to my child and being present for him. And I want him to see my face light up when I see him. I want him to feel connected to me because these are the moments, you know, in childhood, it feels so stressful sometimes right at the time because you're caring for this child day in, day out. This little person is so dependent on you, but it's very fast. So I want to make sure I fully, fully are present with him. And, you know, these are the times like the foundation, right, of our relationship and that he knows that he's so important. So in accounting and moving towards, you know, more technology, I'm also always thinking of the importance and I'm grounded in that vision as well of human connection. One cannot be done without the other. And the same thing at home, like just having that connection with Kian, with my son, being present for him. That's beautiful. Thank you, Anika. Jennifer, over to you. What changes do you see happening in the accounting industry that you think are having an effect on working parents? Yeah, so I think as Aneka alluded to, you know, we have a lot of rapid developments and change in technology. And part of that, too, is a changing workforce. You know, the way that we're staffing our engagements is changing. We're looking for people with different skills outside of accounting, you know, looking at some of the STEM fields. And we just have a lot of shifts with generations. And I think that's forcing us to think differently about how we work or what's going to work in the future. And I think the traditional, you know, persona of an audit partner that, you know, kind of just, you know, works eight to eight and, you know, goes home and there's not a lot of extra things going on and, you know, just spends 30 years in one place is changing. And our younger generation is demanding us to think differently. And I think that that's good and that's healthy. I have seen, especially over the last year being back, a lot more emphasis on vitality and wellness. And, you know, I think we still struggle with people feeling like they can't turn off their work, that it's hard to balance, you know, really feeling like they can disconnect. 
I struggle with it too. Um, that's sort of the double-edged sword of technology and being always on and available. And how do you manage, you know, not being connected to your phone when you're at home? And so I think that that piece of it is something that there's a lot more focus on. And I personally, even just when I made partner, that vitality piece was probably my hardest thing that I'm still working on is how do I make sure I'm taking time to take care of myself and to exercise and to eat well and to sleep. And because all of that impacts how I'm going to show up at work. And then to Aneka's point, how I'm going to show up at home. And I don't want my daughter to see me stressed out and irritated and stressed. And parenting is hard. You know, it's hard. Like, as you know, the years go by fast, but the days can be long sometimes. And so I think you know, being mindful of that and thinking about ways to do things differently is important. But I think focusing on that wellness piece and that vitality is just really going to be critical if we're going to maintain a workforce that wants to stay in this profession long term. Yeah, no, that's wonderful advice. All right, back to you, Tom. All right, very good. Well, Anika, this one is for you. What is your number one piece of parenting advice that you would give to a new working parent or parent returning to work, rather? I would say release expectations of yourself, of everybody, attuned to the moment as it shows up. There's always a gift. Either you're going to grow, either actually it's, the gift is always growth. So I would say just letting go of all the shoulds and really attuning to the moment. The moment will guide you. If you're attuning to the present moment, you will know what the next step for you is. And that doesn't mean it's going to be nice and beautiful. Sometimes the moment, it's oh my God, I'm full of fear. And you invite that fear. You let it kind of come in and see, okay, what messages do you have for me? It's truly attuning to the moment. I think we're so afraid to, we're in so much resistance because we're so afraid that we're going to do it wrong. But then we're not living. We're just attaching to this idea of like, this is the way that I should be doing. And then life goes by and we haven't lived our lives. So I think it's just allowing things to unfold, taking care of yourself, really good care of yourself. There's no way you're going to be able to take care of others if you're not taking good care of yourself. And I cannot advise enough to find some sort of practice. And I know new moms, this is so difficult because you feel so overwhelmed. How am I going to take five minutes for myself? I don't have that time. But that's when you know you need it the most. And sometimes it doesn't need to look pretty. Sometimes it's when you're, I don't know, doing the dishes and you find that time to just connect to yourself. Or if you're cleaning the house, you find that time during the cleaning to connect to yourself, to really pay attention to what's going on inside of you with no judgment, because that's important, you know, to not judge yourself through this. But I would say, you know, self-care, find time to take care of yourself, to be with yourself, even in the madness. Actually, that's when you need it the most, you know, and don't judge yourself and don't follow all these expectations that we put upon ourselves and society puts up on ourselves. You know, I, I really wish for every mom to just live a full life, a full, full life, present moment, moment to moment, enjoying themselves. I think that's an excellent point. I'm a novice meditator myself. And it, you know, it took me a while and some reading to kind of embrace this idea that you mentioned, Aneka, which is so important that, you know, 
just because you're experiencing negative emotions or feelings during meditation doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I think, you know, and I certainly felt that way when I first started. Like this, you know, meditation is supposed to be peaceful and I'm centering myself. And I wish I could remember the name of the book. She's a written a number of them, pretty famous Buddhist monk. It's something about warriors, but she wrote a great, great book. If I can remember, we'll put it in the show notes where she talks about you know, not pushing these negative emotions away, but welcoming them because they are a piece of you. She put it in sort of a funny way that one day she realized like, well, I guess this isn't going away, so I might as well embrace it. Yeah. Was it Pema? Pema Chodron? Yeah, I love her writing and I love that. That was really a fundamental shift for me in my own meditation practice, dealing with, you know, because it happens to all of us, particularly for new parents where you're like, when you're putting judgment on it, like this is not going right. <laughs> this is not outcome. And it's easier said than done, but letting go of that as much as you can and realizing that, you know, sitting or at least being present with the fear and anxiety and realizing that's a part of you and a part of your life rather than, you know, my meditation should be about pushing this away and making this go away. So I think that's an excellent point. Well, let me ask you on a more kind of granular level, Anika, is there anything that you have, we've talked about it some, is there a book that you have read or an article that you have read that's really had a profound impact on how you deal with your life as a working parent that you'd recommend to others? Absolutely. So I would say, you know, a book that changed my life, it's The Awakened Family by Dr. Shafali Sabari, which again, I listened to her on Oprah on Super Soul Sunday one day. You know, I became a mom. I bought the books. I read a little bit. But at that time, again, I was so busy that to apply everything that was said in the book, I just kind of push it away. Fast forward, you know, after when my son was three and I had all the life changes, you know, in my personal life that I alluded to earlier, where I really needed to kind of sit with myself and figure this thing out. Like, how am I living my life? This feels, you know, and the biggest thing was like, I felt within myself that parenting, you know, is it supposed to feel this stressful? Like, I love my son, you know, I love our relationship, but there's so many blocks that are not allowing me to be fully in this relationship present, you know, fun, humor, like I was missing all that. So I think that book really allowed me the awakened family to just let go of all those shoulds and truly show up raw. And, you know, that allowed me to show up with the fears, with the anxiety, but it allowed for me to be present in the moment. And I learned so much through that book on how to relate to my son. And truly it was because it was really more about how do I relate to myself? How do I parent my own inner child? Because only then can we parent another, right? When we've looked within ourselves, you know, the pieces, the broken pieces that we all carry. And sometimes, you know, it becomes us and it's driving our lives. So it's becoming intimate with those pieces, parenting your own inner self to then parent your child. So that had a profound effect on my parenting. Excellent. How about technology? Is there a piece of technology that we know can be a double-edged sword, but one that you find that you really rely on to help you be a working parent? To be honest, YouTube, it's my favorite piece of technology because I will tell you how I use it. I sometimes look up, you know, leaders or people that I'm interested in learning more about. I do yoga through, you know, I just kind of Saturday morning, okay, I want to do yoga. I put YouTube, there's yoga videos I could choose from. So to me, you know, part of my self-care, I do use YouTube 
quite often, whether it's to listen, you know, to meditation pieces or authors that I want to learn more about, speakers, my yoga practice. So YouTube, I would say, is the one that I use the most. Yeah, that's the first on this program, but it's absolutely true. I cannot tell you how many times I've turned to YouTube, you know, throughout the week for any number of those things that you just mentioned. You know, how do I do this? And there will be somebody with a video on on how to do it or how to think about it or a review of a book. I think that's a great one. All right. Thanks, Anika. All right, Jennifer, turning it over to you. And so the same questions. First, what's your number one piece of advice that you would give to a new parent returning to work? Yeah, and I really like this no judgment free zone. I think that's so critical because the emotions are high, you're not probably sleeping very well, and it's a lot to adjust. So just showing up is enough. And I think Lori, you know, I read your book when I was preparing to return to work and you know, those words in there resonated with me. Like whatever I do today is enough. Period. And that's the advice I've continued to give other parents as they've returned to work, because that really helped me. You know, it's hard to manage, you know, if you get five hours, six hours, seven hours, eight hours, it's enough. If you halfway slept through that conference call, because you're, you know, trying to just get back on a normal working schedule, it's enough. And I think that just really holding true to that internally helped me just put whatever day happened, you know, the naked said, putting that key in the door, okay, moving on, and really, you don't have time anymore to ruminate on, you know, should I have said it that way? Should I have done this email that way? Like, there's not time for that. You're doing your best. You're showing up. You're being present. When you're at home, you're present. When you're at work, you're present. And whatever you're able to accomplish that day, excellent gold star way to go. And I think that has really helped me. It does get easier. You know, those first couple months back are challenging. You know, my daughter got sick the first day of daycare. And so then we all got sick. And so trying to navigate all of that when you're, you know, dealing with sickness is not easy. So just taking it one day at a time and looking for, you know, those beautiful moments and just embracing it all, I think is important. But I really like that no judgment free space. And that definitely helped yeah, I think me. That's so important. How about the second part? So is there an article or a book that you have relied on? or something that you highlight as recommending to a new parent returning to work? Yeah, there's two books that I continue to recommend. One is Lori's book, so Mindful Return, and the other is called The Fifth Trimester. And that book actually I read first, and that helped me realize actually that at four months postpartum, I was not emotionally ready to go back to work and I needed more time. And it helped me understand why. And then both of those books just have a lot of really good practical tips on, you know, how do you deal with a postpartum wardrobe when, you know, I'm still in some of my maternity clothes and how do you deal with, you know, just feeling about your body that it's shifted, you know, and how do you think through, you know, different tactical, you know, pumping rooms, you know, I acknowledge I'm very fortunate that I work for a company that has privacy rooms, those rooms are equipped with the pumps that they provide and water and, you know, and I'm in a partner such that I can have my own office and, you know, put a shade down and have privacy while I'm working. So I recognize that there's a privilege in that that not everyone has. But there were some really good tips on if your company doesn't have that, you know, how do you ask for that? What are the things that are important to think about so that you can be successful in that transition? So I found both of those really helpful, like from a tactical perspective, from an emotional perspective. I'm a real big fan of Brene Brown. And so I read The Courage to Lead as part of my sort of emotional journey to come 
you know, prepare myself back as, you know, a leader within this organization and how I wanted to show up. And that was just a messy book. And, you know, as Anika said, like, you just have to let go. You have to be real. You have to be vulnerable. 2019 has been a very emotional journey for me. It's been very messy. And I think that book really delved into just combating your own insecurities or vulnerabilities, you know, talking about the word shame, you know, which we don't really talk about and just owning it. And so that helped me a lot just with my own personal transformation. And so I think, you know, highly recommend Brene, you know, for everyone, not just parents, but I think that helped me at least emotionally feel like what I was going through was okay and a journey and to embrace it. Yeah, she's got some great TED Talks, too, that I really like. Those are some great resources. We'll put those in the show notes. And then finally, if you, Jennifer, same question I ask Aneka, is there a piece of technology that you rely on to you know, help you as a working parent? Yeah, when Aneka said YouTube, I spent probably too many late nights on Google, probably for good or bad reasons. It's just it's a little too easy to access and probably a lot of Amazon shopping to just, you know, diapers, formula, you know, have that all delivered to the home. It's one less thing to worry about. But one thing that I do use that has helped me just tactically is I just have one calendar. So personal, private, work, it's all in my one calendar. And that helps me then manage sort of that when we talk about agility and work-life integration. I know, Laura, you've talked about on some of these other podcasts, getting away from the term balance and really focusing on integration. And that has helped me do that because I put like today, I put this appointment in my calendar. So that blocks my time. From a work perspective, you know, I have my daughter's doctor's appointments in there, the library story times that I want to try and do that are in the middle of the day. So I just try and block my time to preserve some of that. And I also learned really quickly in my role, my calendar can fill up really fast. And I don't do well if I'm in back to back meetings from eight to five every day. And so I preserve time in the morning and the afternoon just every day my calendar is blocked so that I can commute in slowly, take my daughter to work, to school and not worry about it so I can leave early and fight traffic. And I try and just be strategic with some of those holds just so that I can have that space for myself to be productive. And so that has actually really helped me in navigating the return. What kind of calendar do you use? It's just Outlook. No, I'm in calendar management. It's still something that I struggle with, but it is very important. Well, let me say a hearty thank you to Aneka and Jennifer. This has been a great episode, I think, and I will turn it back over to Lori to wrap it up. Great. Thanks so much, Tom. Yes, indeed. Calendar blocking is definitely a working mom ninja tool. And I love, Jennifer, your concept here of blocking out times that you know you need for yourself so that no one else touches them. I also did that with respect to pumping. When I first, I think while I was on maternity leave with my second, I realized that I could go ahead and schedule pump times, you know, about three times a day and block them on my calendar for, say, a whole year, you know, not knowing if I was going to use them or not, but knowing that I was reserving the space and time. So I love that. Well, thank you both for a really beautiful, vulnerable and inspiring conversation. We were really delighted to have you on as guests. And I'd invite everyone to stay tuned for our next episode where we're talking with fathers in the accounting profession. Thanks again and stay tuned for the next one. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Parents at Work podcast. Are you interested in learning more about our show, our hosts, or today's guest? Do you have a comment or question you'd like to share with the Parents at Work community? Then contact us at www.spigglelaw.com slash podcast. We'll see you next time.